Hello, and welcome to Public Intellectual. Public Intellectual is a podcast supported solely by its listeners. So if you would like to contribute, please go to patreon.com slash public intellectual. I was shopping for clothes with an ex-boyfriend one time, and I was trying to get him to try on this really quite lovely baby blue blazer. The color was good for his eyes, and the texture was kind of dreamy, and when I brought it to him in the dressing room, he turned red and angry and stammered at me, I am not David Bowie. At any rate, he bought the jacket, but it scared the hell out of him at first. The color, the sensuality of it, who knows what triggered him, but he truly hated me for a minute for asking him to push beyond his usual style. Also, one of the most controversial tweets I ever posted, at least in terms of feedback received, was when after an afternoon cocktail or two, I tweeted, men should wear skirts. It was very hot that day, and I saw all of these men walking around, squeezed into tight denim, and I wanted to shout at them, there is a better way. But for the rest of the day, men yelled at me online about what a ridiculous idea that was. Which is to say that I loved Kara Kremen's man-made woman, the dialectics of cross-dressing. While it is partly a personal story about Kremen's deciding to enter public life dressed in women's clothing, it is also a conversation about consumerism, how traditional masculinity props up capitalism, and the disdain the contemporary man, even the super-woke socialist men, have for femininity. I love this book, and I dog-eared so much of it, and I couldn't wait to talk to her about it. So I was reading the piece that you had uh, recently published and tweeted about, about, um, about why men are not expressing themselves um, in fashion, in clothing, and that sort of thing, and, and um, how it's still very taboo for a man to make himself beautiful or to try to express himself in, in through clothing or makeup in any kind of way. And it's funny to me because I sent it to a couple straight men that I know <laughs> um, and they didn't really they didn't really like it <laughs> um, uh, they, they didn't like it because they didn't agree uh, empirically with it or because they uh, didn't like that it what it said about them I think they did they um, on the second part of it they were trying not to think about what it was saying about them. So they were trying to argue with it in the way of, um, you know, your, your sort of comment about how gender is a mask. They didn't like that. Um, and these are not sort of, you know, super macho dudes, um, but they are, you know, intellectuals and writers. But it's, it's like a part of themselves and a part of their gender that they don't want to think about. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, just to make a distinction, first of all, is that I can't make any claim about in, any individual male simply uh, in terms of how they look. 
<clears throat> but I think the the fact that there are so few, uh, <clears throat> uh, let's say, men in our society that you see in everyday life who would adorn their bodies in anything that we consider uh, for women, uh, like a dress or makeup, <clears throat> even a handbag, that it tells us something about the, the, the male psyche in, in general in, in our, our late capitalist society, that for all the attention there is in, in the media on, <clears throat> on trans personalities and so forth, and you see examples in the fashion industry and, and sort of in uh, popular music and, and so on, that doesn't translate in, onto the streets. And, and you have to ask, well, why is there such a barrier that exists amongst men that prevents them from stylizing themselves in in any such way? You know, wearing eyeshadow, for instance, it's not even that these things negate their masculinity. I mean, like I, I, I talk about prints in my, my book, a prince wore what are, are distinctly feminine things, but he was still exuded masculinity, very sex, sexual sort of uh, masculinity, I think. <clears throat> but but there seems to be that obstacle, and I think that for me is is very telling of of how our, our society still polices gender and how far we have to come <clears throat> before we sort of un, undo gender as something that, that negatively inhibits us all. And I think that the reason for focusing on, on, on men here as well is because <clears throat> the, the masculinity is a kind of fluid term. It can mean many things. But there is an ideal that I think men are under pressure to live up to and feel threatened when, when that, that ideal is, is questioned. And, <clears throat> and in that respect, I, I think that, that has significant implications for how we behave in the workplace, for how we behave in relationships, and so on. It, it is like a straitjacket, and, and gender, gender is 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 a mask insofar that there is no intrinsic gender. If we talk about an intrinsic femininity uh, uh, that, that females have, then we get into all kinds of uh, dodgy essentialist arguments that I think we really need to to reflect on and, and question. And I think it's not exactly a coincidence that with um, in the last sort of 10, 15 years, as we've seen the sort of um, uh, the rise of normalization of feminism uh, as being not just a, um, a sort of a fragment of the female population, but being very sort of mainstream and the increased visibility of uh, various sexualities and, and non-binary genders that sort of straight men have doubled down on this on the facial hair on the sort of sloppy dressing and the and the boots um without really examining that or thinking about why that is um i guess makes them feel safe or you know for whatever reason that that they're doing that exactly yeah and and it comes back to sort of a what what are they protecting themselves against what is it that they fear why why are they not sort of adorning their bodies in, in these more flamboyant ways? <clears throat> and, and I think that it's important when talking about feminism and uh, uh, sexual politics, uh, trans issues, that we, we find some kind of commonality that, and, and, that in, and, and that commonality becomes the, the basis for a politics that, that I think uh, can question uh, the, the fundamentals here because 
we often, uh, <clears throat> Alido, miss, miss the uh, point here that, that there is an antagonism that exists in our society that can be understand, understood at, uh, at a class level. And like, like for instance, let, let's let's take uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner. I, I've got absolutely nothing in common with Caitlyn Jenner. Her politics are, 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 are odious to me. <clears throat> she she's uh, uh, in an immense position of privilege, just just like uh, uh, Hillary, Hillary Clinton is in, in respect to to women. Uh, she has very little in common with women who are you know feminist women who are struggling with. Uh, inequalities and, and uh, abuses in the workplace and the kind of drudgery and, and, and uh, uh, all the kind of tasks that are often placed on women in the home. <clears throat> she has very little, little in common there. And I think that, that the commonality, as I've been suggesting, <clears throat> does lie at that class level. But if we don't uh, articulate that, we don't register that, <clears throat> and then gender, sexual politics and all of this just becomes... A, a, a loose sort of idea around different identities, lifestyle expressions, and so forth, and and it's and it's often it is often the privileged, the middle classes that can afford to express themselves in these the diversity of ways, but but ultimately in in, in these times of, of of you know very serious crises, both politically and economic, we need something more than that. Is there some sort of link between, I mean, with the with the sort of acceptance that a figure like uh, Laverne Cox or um, Caitlyn Jenner has received in the media and um, and the entertainment world, um, with the sort of um, the rise of gay marriage? Throughout the throughout the world as a sort of rallying point of gay rights, um, where it's if you assimilate um, in in a very specific way, then then we accept you as being trans and we accept you as being gay. Like if you get married and sort of live a middle class existence, then then yes, we we accept you as being gay. But if you are poor, if you're um, gay or trans, poor or non-conforming or, you know, non-binary, then, then we find the limits of tolerance. Yeah, if you're black, for instance, in America, I mean, uh, you're, you're in a much more precarious position and, and vulnerable. And I, and, I, and I think that, you know, that does uh, get to the problem here. <clears throat> the, the, I mean, I, I, I reject the institution of marriage, and I, I uh, am opposed to the U.S. military. And when people ask me about these sort of things, about sort of uh, uh, <clears throat> trans uh, women in, in the military, I, I, I don't really have much to say on that. I, I, I in, in terms of, of marriage, I don't care if people want to get married, <clears throat> but I don't think it's a political uh, uh, rallying cry. I think there, there are far more serious issues to contend with. You know, for instance, the 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 number of uh, uh, the incarceration rate of black people in in the United States, the uh, <clears throat> grotesque levels of inequality and 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 injustices that that exist there and and, and around the world, <clears throat> and and so I think that a lot of these issues are are, are distractions. That that said, I, I mean, it's important for me that that this discourse around sort of transgender gender fluidity and so forth is happening. And that the media, let's say, is more accepting of that. That the institution I work for uh, uh, respects 
my my gender choice let's say you know that that enables me to live in this world better than I was able to in the past when I, I experimented with these things but <clears throat> but I, I I can't take my own personal experience and privileges uh, and, and generalize them I, I I have to look beyond that and, and see that uh, the, the the conditions that the people have to deal with uh, whether they're trans or, or not are demand something more than than that and and just coming back to this idea of, of you know what is acceptable one of the things that, that I find and <clears throat> I'm sure sort of <clears throat> many people who question gender uh, feel the same is that people are far more accepting if I if I identify as a woman if I say that I'm a, I'm a trans woman I, even if to use the cliche I was born into the wrong body <clears throat> and people want explanations they want you to to justify <clears throat> On their terms, through their discourse, why you're doing this, and and I kind of ref refuse to do that. I I often say, you know, well, I, I dress this way because I just like dressing this way. It's a it's a pleasure for me, and I think that people have a, a have a difficulty with that as well. The idea that you would do something out of pleasure, that that somehow once one you do it out of pain, that that it's done because you've suffered in life, and you've got to somehow. <clears throat> Carry that suffering on 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 your body, and and liberals liberals like it when when you've got a story of suffering, when they can feel sympathetic towards you, and 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 I want to, I want to to make liberals and and uh, feel uneasy because I think there is a certain complacency there, and and we need to sort of uh, radicalize our politics, you know, given the kind of uh, levels of hostility and. Uh, bigotry there there is in the world now, and, and embodied by people like Trump. <clears throat> so, so in, in in respect to my own sort of identity here, I I, I in in a way I, I guess you would say that I'm I'm gender queer, but at the same time I I want to fully identify with the uh, embodiment at the same time as a kind of way to to challenge my own sort of. Uh, uh, the, the kind of more sedimented ways that, that my own sort of masculinity has affected me and to try and destabilize that at some level. And is that part of um, the reason why you changed your name as well? I mean, at least as for um, underwriting, I don't know if you changed your name legally, but uh, you used to publish under the name Colin and now um, your new book is under a feminine name. Um, so I'm wondering if that is... Um, uh, well, what was the decision-making process for that? Well, it, it's not superficial to claim that although I, I want to, in a, in a way, embody a contradiction by not disguising the fact that I'm a male, even though I dress in a very feminine way, there is an a, a, a aesthetic uh, consistency in, in adopting a feminine name that, that I, I simply prefer that that I don't that that I think is 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 in many ways more political than the position that I took originally was saying call me what you like because you know you're going to form in your own mind an opinion of me of me like like when I walk down the street I may define myself as a woman but people are going to see a bloke dressed in women's clothes that's what they're going to be thinking of and how progressive they are which is why you know very progressive women uh, particularly often come up to me and say it's great what you're doing well it's great you wouldn't say that to a person who passes uh, so so it's you know I, I want to encourage uh, that at some level but also 
you know, want to maintain a certain aesthetic consistency. I haven't ad uh, adopted this as, as uh, uh, legally. Uh, and, and, and also that there's a reason for adopting it because I felt uncomfortable with the idea of, of uh, assigning my, myself to a, a feminine name. It's like when I go places and, and meet new people, particularly people in positions of influence, and they say, what's your name? And I have to turn around and say, my name's Kira. There, there's some, this, I, I feel uneasy about that. And, it's it's like my status is undermined, but that that then kind of tells me that that I'm invested in a, a, a status position and and have a certain uh, respect or, or let's say in you could even put it in in a more uh, graphic way, a certain enslavement towards these kind of figures, towards these sort of masters, and by adopting and articulating a, a feminine name. I, I caused discomfort in, in myself, which uh, ultimately sort of, uh, I think, you know, I talk about this in the book as a kind of form of identity irrigation is flushing out those blockages that exist in my own psyche towards, to, to, with respect to the free flow of femininity, which I see as a, as, as a way of breaking down the, the, the barriers that exist in, in the psyche, and often at a conscious level, that enables us to, to, to grow. Um, I like that you, in in the book, sort of refuse a conversation about sexuality and leave it on gender. I think because um, because the conversation has become so uh, focused on, um, you know, it's okay to be flamboyant if you're if you're gay, <laughs> um, or to dress like a woman if if you if you're gay, or if it's a joke, um, you know, in in a kind of like over dramatic um, parody of, of womanhood and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but to, to not sort of even have that as part of the conversation I thought was, um, was interesting so that we could think about it in ways of like, okay, so why are the rules different for, um, straight men or gay men or, um, you know, uh, bisexual men or whatever? Um, why is it that, um, that there is an influence between uh, the sort of uh, queer community and the straight male community. Um, you know, why haven't um, straight men looked at the queer community and, you know, picked up lip gloss or whatever <laughs> that they wanted from it? Uh, I think, I think that, I, I think there's a kind of uh, denigration of, of joy in, in this world, but <clears throat> that playfulness uh, is, is important. And, and I don't mean playfulness as in a kind of an ironic <coughs> uh, adornment that, that kind of uh, becomes like a joke. Uh, I, and I think, I think it's important that we <coughs> find ways in which we can express ourselves both individually and collectively <coughs> in more flamboyant ways as, as, as an expression of, 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 of human creativity, of playfulness, of joy. And, and it seems to be something that is legitimate for uh, a certain, uh, let's say, gay men to do. And in, and in some respects, it's, it's legitimate for uh, women to do in, in, in the sense that we can describe femininity as more flamboyant. It's a, there's a range of different sort of uh, uh, objects that, that, that a woman can adorn her body with, wear makeup and so forth. All these things which <clears throat> is, is kind of denigrating outside has been frivolous or excessive. 
but it's that excessiveness and that frivolity, I think, that is, in the, is the essence of, of what it means to be alive, what it means to be human, of, of, of being able to express uh, uh, that creative impulse. And I think that that is, uh, in some respects, denied to men or repressed in men and, and or let's say, heteronormative men. And so, so yeah, I think this, this needs to be encouraged. And, and there is... There is something important to that, I think, both both in terms of uh, the liberating effect that can have on the individual, but also collectively on our society. You talked a bit in your book about um, how, how sort of coming out um, and sort of changed your relationships with women, and including making some of your relationships with women um, closer and being able to bond on these um, topics of, of conversation and so on. How did how did it though change your relationships with men? It's one of the things that's often difficult to to gauge is is whether uh, men are behaving towards you in certain ways just because they're trying to be tolerant and don't want to disclose their their hostility and sometimes I kind of get a sense that that's that's the case <clears throat> with men but I, I think as I've kind of said in the book that if one one doesn't typically disclose to people in general that one likes to uh, to use the term because I ultimately reject this term cross-dress <clears throat> it's something you might disclose to someone close to you so when I <clears throat> I now sort of openly embody that and, and, and uh, in a very public way. It's like I've disclosed the secret uh, to society. <clears throat> and, and in a way, I think that what happens there is that certain men who are unable uh, for various reasons and, and often understandable reasons <clears throat> to express the kind of more tender and uh, uh, side to themselves, <clears throat> the the people often would be sort of questioning, suspicious of, and so forth. They're able maybe to, maybe to express themselves more openly to me, that you find a certain tenderness in men that would otherwise be hidden. Uh, so, but, but, but at the same time, I think it becomes difficult for some men to engage with me because I, I in a sense, represent a woman when, when I, as, as a man, I, I was, let's say, more a feat, and in the pecking order, the hierarchy of masculinities, I was probably at the bottom end, and you could, you know, men often make jokes uh, about me and so forth, and I don't take offense, you know, it's part of the, the humor. But you can't make jokes to their faces, for instance, to women. It's like in, 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 you know, in a pub scene when you've got men around and, and, and women there, uh, women tend not to be the butt of, of the joke, maybe when women are not around. So, so now there's a kind of uncertainty, you know, can you joke about me? Can you, can you make these sort of comments without seeming either misogynistic or transphobic? So I think it kind of uh, <clears throat> un unsettles that at some level. But then over time, I think people become more accustomed to me as a woman and, and then uh, start to feel more at ease. And I've been questioning that myself, whether because I, I, I've dressed as a woman to work for well over a year now, uh, consistently. I'm, I'm questioning whether I should actually, you know, to <clears throat> put the money where the mouth is, as, as such in, in, in the book, and crisscross dress, which means to alternate 
and dresses a man sometimes just to have a disruptive effect. Because I think that, that as, as I kind of also said in the book, that it's not that by dressing as a woman, <clears throat> I, I've somehow unlocked something that was uh, repressed in myself. And now the true me can suddenly flow out. It's that because I dress in, in this way, it affects people in, 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 in ways that then reverberate back on me. So it's because of, of the adjustments that people make in respect to me and how I look and maybe what I say now, that that in turn affects a, a, a me, me in ways that then has a transformative impact. So it's, it's a kind of relationship, a, 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 let's say a psycho, so psychodynamic relationship <clears throat> that, that uh, is, is constantly affecting changes that sometimes, uh, and mostly I'd say, are imperceptible, but over time you realize that a kind of new subjectivity is, is starting to emerge. And maybe uh, in others too. You know, there's such a sort of weird conversation to be had around sort of turf feminism, um, the sort of trans exclusionary radical feminism that just sort of rejects um, the idea of trans women at all. Um, and how that sort of affects our um, idea of gender and the, the, how the conversation never seems to move. I mean, you talk a little bit about sort of Jermaine Greer um, in your book and her sort of um, her refusal to believe um, in sort of trans women um, as if they were fairies or something or, or elves. Um, the, the sort of uh, she just rejects the discourse around it entirely. Um, but how do you think about it as far as why do you think that the hostility, where do you think it comes from? And you would think that radical feminism would sort of embrace um, the sort of gender non-binary. But there is still a lot of hostility from a, a segment of, of feminism. Well, if, if radical feminism wants to dismantle patriarchy, then I think that there, there is a lot, lot in common uh, uh, between uh, the, the causes that the, the, the feminists sign up to and what, uh, let's say, formally identifying men are, are, are enacting by, by uh, adopting a, a feminine persona and, and identifying as women. In, in so far that, that I think that you know feminists have, have, have uh, taken stances in respect to their bodily presentation and so forth, how femininity becomes a kind of register of, of weakness in patriarchal society. <clears throat> but I think that the, the problem that we need to centre on is, 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 is men, and men need to enact their own struggle, which is essentially against themselves. But because I think that, that patriarchy is, is enmeshed with capitalism and men have no, let's say, material interest in, in overcoming patriarchy, but, but many men have a material interest in overcoming capitalism, I think it's, it's on that basis that their interests materially align, <clears throat> but, but also to, for men to, to negate, in a sense, that kind of uh, masculinity is as defined in our society and, and men are under pressure to perform, <clears throat> that the, they also in, in various ways uh, question patriarchy and maybe contribute to uh, 
it's it's undoing. But ultimately, I think patriarchy can only be undone by by getting rid of capitalism, as as well. But but I think I think there's a it, yeah, it's a strange position that that uh, some feminists take, and I don't think it's necessarily the most uh, outwardly spoken feminists that we need to be concerned about. But there are many women who silently uh, uh, begrudge uh, this shift uh, that's taken place, but don't articulate it for because because of the kind of fear of, of how others would react. But I have to say that one of the things that you notice, and, and it's particularly amongst, let's say, <clears throat> men who identify as cross-dressers, that there's a, there is a, a, a conservatism amongst uh, many of those men. They often come from very conservative backgrounds and, and do very masculine jobs and, and identify with uh, Republican causes. And I, and I think that, that there is something there insofar that the, a certain idea of femininity that the men, and I'm, I'm saying men now because they identify as men, ad, adopt in certain circumstances, not in their, their everyday life, enables them to, to enjoy that certain superficiality of, 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 of uh, what we identify as women, while also maintaining their masculinity and, and, and their status in our society because they, they, they don't uh, uh, challenge that in, in the workplace and in all these arenas where, where their power means something. So I, 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 can certain, I can respect to some extent that there is, is a problem amongst, uh, I'm calling now male or men who cross-dress uh, and are not challenging patriarchy in, in any way or form, either symbolically or politically, uh, because of how it's compartmentalized. And you see amongst uh, a lot of trans women uh, that, that there's a, a kind of identification with gender essentialism. And, and, and often, like uh, Caitlyn Jenner's case in point, you know, of you know, having Republican values. So I think we need to uh, examine that, but, but judge a person on the basis of their politics uh, as opposed to their identity. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, as far as um, the capitalism argument goes, you know, it's kind of funny because in the United States, the, the, the grassroots uh, socialist movement is almost entirely run by bros and like bros with with facial hair. Um, and there can be a real disdain for femininity within sort of socialist and communist organizations um, because it represents capitalism and consumerism to them. Right. So women are shopping for clothes and makeup and all this stuff and they're ruining our economy or whatever it is that they think that we're doing. Um, but yeah, it, it, um, I liked the line in your book about how there will be lipstick under communism, but only if men are wearing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that that's the kind of socialism, let's say that, that I abhor that the idea that, uh, of an idea of a socialist society in, in which, uh, all these aesthetic dimensions that I think are so important to life are, are, are uh, we're deprived of because they're somehow seen as excessive. This <clears throat> results in, in a kind of uh, a grey idea of, of communism or socialism that I, I, people won't, won't want to sign up to. I wouldn't want to sign up to that. I think that, that the, the joyousness of life, again, is, 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 is missing there. And I, I, I completely 
uh, I see this. I've, I've experienced this myself. There's a certain uh, <clears throat> uh, machoism or, 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 or uh, sort of emphasis on masculinity amongst socialist groups and 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 feminists. You know, identified this problem a long time ago. In that, it's not that uh, uh, feminists need to just simply <clears throat> sign up to to the kind of socialist struggle and and and. and Base their entire sort of analysis on class, but to recognise there are, are distinctive issues that women have to confront, and and one of those issues is is the predominance of of men and bearded men, let's say, in these movements who 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 are not able to to, to uh, identify or or, or uh, concretely uh, uh, experience or recognise what it means to be a woman in in our society and the kind of struggles that, that they separately have to face that are not necessarily to do with class. So that 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 has been articulated side by side with, with issues of class. They're related, but they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily that one is subordinate to the other. And I think that same uh, argument applies in respect to, to, to trans uh, uh, politics, to gender uh, fluidity and, and so forth. That, <clears throat> the, the problems that, that trans people, uh, uh, LGBT and so forth, uh, have to face and deal with in, in, in life, in, in these organisations and so forth, are distinctive both from, uh, uh, lack of better words, cis, cisgender women and distinctive, uh, <clears throat> obviously, from, from uh, heteronormative men. And, and that that needs to be articulated, but not uh, at the expense of, of, of uh, uh, having a class analysis, but side by side, and, and side by side with, with, with feminist analysis as well and critique. Um, it's really funny, when I was reading your book, um, you know, I, I'm somebody who, um, for years, I dressed in men's clothing and had very short hair. And I guess that I passed um, because I was often called sir in uh, Texas, um, where you'd think they'd be a little bit more um, uh, strict about who they call sir. But um, so I eventually sort of like uh, grew out of that phase of my life. But reading your descriptions of um, sort of shame and alienation um, uh, around makeup counters and stockings and stuff was uh, very familiar to me when I was trying to branch out of my um, sort of masculine phase. Um, it, it was funny that I've never seen that experience um, uh, articulated before and also um, that it was coming from a male writer was, um, uh, was funny to me. <laughs> Well, well, I, 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 I've, you know, I, I, I can understand and respect, you know, why uh, women want to uh, refuse uh, feminine adornments because of what they've come to represent and mean in our society. But that meaning is is often defined by by men, and I don't think that it's necessarily helpful in terms of of, of feminism. For for women to to, to reject uh, what what we identify as as femininity, and the the point the point I'm making here is is that is that it's it's not so much that that politically speaking the onus is on women to, to to negate femininity, but for men to negate masculinity, which I think they can do by adopting 
uh, uh, feminine stylizations. <clears throat> and and I and I think it also comes back to sort of talking about sensuality. That that you know, I think I think it's not controversial to say that that people like colourful things. They like silkiness. <clears throat> people like to dress up. You know, you, you observe that in young children, boys and girls. They like to experiment with styles. People like to paint. And I think that that uh, <clears throat> this is 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 afforded to to girls and to women in ways that are not afforded to, to boys and, and, and to men. And I, and I and when I talk about sort of makeup and stockings and so forth, I'm, I'm, I'm trying also not just to sort of look at you know, why I became fixated on those things, why they took on a particular appeal to me, but, but also that, that there's a more generic aspect to them, that they appeal uh, to the senses. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's a case then of, of simply freeing us, us up so that we can experiment uh, with colour, with fabrics and so forth, without it, it necessarily having the kind of meaning it does in our society. Like we talk about gender-neutral clothing. When we talk about gender-neutral clothing, we tend to be mean masculine clothing or clothes that men can wear. <clears throat> but we don't tend to think of dresses and lipstick as, as gender-neutral. But I think that that's the point for me is, is to realize the situation of society where a dress is not considered automatically for women, that we don't associate lipstick with, with women, <clears throat> that, that it's just lipstick, it's just a dress. You know, you don't, for instance, say, uh, I'm going to wear a woman's dress today because it's just assumed that it's for women. And I think it is, it's that uh, association of femininity with the female body that we need to remove. And I think that's something that men can do actively by adopting feminine clothing, wearing lipstick and dresses and so forth so that we no longer associate them with uh, women. That's the point in which clothing becomes gender neutral. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.